0: Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
1: Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action.
0: My name is Benjamin Rangel.
1: And my name is Kyle Hagee. And in just a few weeks, you will all have the opportunity to take one of the most important action steps ever given here on the pod. Wow. And that is to vote on August 14th.
0: That's huge. Uh, And and if you haven't heard yet... Uh, A lot of people are running for governor on the Democratic side.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty crowded field, but that's why we're here. We want to provide insight and information about candidates so that when you head to the polls on August 14th, you can make an informed decision and help bridge
0: the city. Yeah, and we were really fortunate to be able to sit down and interview four of the nine or so Democratic candidates after reaching out to all of the candidates, including Governor Walker, to be on the podcast. Yeah,
1: so if anyone is listening uh, who knows the governor, please tell him to check his email from Bridges City. It might have ended up in spam.
0: Although we do know that Governor Walker is an avid listener, it's so true. please just check your email when you get a chance. But in all honesty, we know the candidates and the governor are really busy, so we weren't able to sit down with all of the candidates.
1: But over the next few weeks, we will have interviews with Mike McCabe, Tony Evers, Malin Mitchell, and Calder Royce.
0: We think these episodes are critically important not only to hear from a potential future governor, but interviews with candidates, are an incredible way to learn about what is going on in the state of Wisconsin, what people are passionate about, and how the things you care deeply about are affected by policy decisions.
1: Yeah, so if you have an issue or a topic that you'd like us to ask future candidates or highlight on the show, please reach out to us. Uh, Let us know on social media. Or you can email us at ben at com or kyle at com.
0: Our ultimate hope, though, is that something said inspires you to action this election season and encourages you to reach out to friends, family, and neighbors to get them involved as well.
1: That's very well put, Uh, but Ben and I are not running for governor.
0: Not yet, at least.
1: So now is the time to hand the mic off to someone who actually is.
2: Yeah, I'm Mike McCabe and I'm a, one of the candidates for governor and originally come from a farming background. I was born and raised on a dairy farm in Clark County, so that's where my family's roots are. That upbringing I think is important because I've I've lived in the city and I but I've also lived out in the country and and I understand those two very different ways of life and I think it's really important to to reach out to people who are who are feeling very alienated from and and disillusioned with with politics and government right now and uh, there are just there's so many forgotten people living in forgotten places whether it's in the inner city in a in a place like Milwaukee, or, or way out in the country, in some of the more remote rural areas, like where I, I come from, and uh, we got to reconnect with with people who uh, who are feeling left out, and that's a huge motivation for me in running for governor.
1: Hearing about Mike's rural background, we wanted to learn about his journey into politics. What prepared Mike to run for governor?
2: I've spent most of my adult life as an independent watchdog uh, exposing the influence of big money in politics, trying to break the grip of, of that money uh, over our government. And I, I started a group called the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign and, and uh, ran it as the director for 15 years. And as the name implies, uh, it's a group really aimed at trying to create a healthier democracy in our state. And it did focus a lot on exposing and trying to uh, break the grip of big money influence in in Wisconsin. But also, we've got a political system that works exceptionally well for a wealthy and well-connected and privileged few at the top. And it's leaving an awful lot of people uh, behind or on the inside looking out. And my life's work has really involved trying to, to deal with that and shake up and transform a political system that's failing us. And that's a big motivation for me
0: As you mentioned in our introduction, the candidate pool on the Democratic side is crowded. A crucial question that I am sure all of you are thinking is what makes Mike
2: stand out? What sets me apart from all the other candidates, they're all very accomplished people, but they do seem to be comfortable operating within the political system as it currently functions, and they seem at peace with the political culture as it is, and I'm not. I, I I think the political culture in Wisconsin has been poisoned and and, uh, we have a, a real fight on our hands to, to restore democracy that, that gives regular people, uh, authentic representation. One of your,
0: your website and self-proclaimed title of his, uh, the blue jeans, Gov. can you talk a little bit about what that means? I, I think it kind of, at least in my eyes, makes you stand out a little bit in terms of just a unique, uh, name, name for yourself and a unique sort of campaign slogan.
2: Yeah. You know, the, the website is governorbluejeans.com and, and, uh, you know, on Twitter and Facebook and other social media like Instagram, uh, it's at BlueJeansGov. And the, the bottom line for me is that I've, I grew up wearing blue jeans. I'm a farm kid, and, and I've worn blue jeans my whole life. And I've actually never owned a matching suit where the <laughs> coat and the pants were made from the same material. Uh-huh. I wasn't even married in a matching suit. Um, and so I, I, I just think it would be phony for me to put one on now yeah. that I'm running for governor and pretend to be fancier than I really am. And I also really strongly believe that governors should be servants and not masters. And to me, that puts a governor under the people, not above them. And it, it's like we've got this governing elite that lords over us at the Capitol, and and we need to instill a very different concept of public service. And, and so I don't see anything wrong with dressing the way normal people do. In fact, I, I see something very right about that.
1: So you mentioned working for the Wisconsin Democracy campaign, starting that, and then also see that you worked for the Wisconsin Taxpayers Alliance doing a statewide civic education program.
2: Yeah, uh, back in the 1980s, I, I did run a civic education program statewide for the Wisconsin Taxpayers Alliance. Now that that's an independent watchdog group that really bird dogs government spending and and looks out for the interests of taxpayers and what the two groups had in common is that they were both fiercely fiercely independent watchdogs and and would blow the whistle on anybody if democrats or republicans if we saw any sign of wrongdoing uh we would call elected officials out uh, regardless of party and and uh, so that that's something that makes me unique here as well. My whole life's work has involved putting principle ahead of party. It hasn't been about advancing one party's agenda, but rather trying to get a government that that works for all of us and not just a privileged few at the very top. I also see that you
1: were working as a legislative aide uh, in the state assembly. Do you feel you're talking about um, maybe how times are more partisan right now, that there's this lack of independence in government and that A lot of times people put party over principle. Do you feel like that is something that has been forming for a long time in Wisconsin? Do you think this is a relatively new phenomenon? How does it differ from the time you worked in the state assembly?
2: You know, I I was a legislative aide in the assembly way back in the early 1980s. and, And the political culture in Wisconsin was radically different then. There wasn't the the divisiveness or polarization there were actually pro-choice republicans back then and there were pro-life democrats you know now there's there's sort of been a purification process and all the pro-choice people have been have been rooted out of the republican party and 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 you know everybody has to be pro-choice on the democratic side democrats and republicans were much more able to to find common ground and work together Uh, there just wasn't the bitterness and and the the really toxic partisanship that you see now. I I started seeing our political culture start to change in in the early to mid-1990s, and and that's when we started noticing that money was starting to seep in and and play a much more profound role than it had before. Wisconsin's a, a state where Bill Proxmire was able to run successfully statewide for the US Senate and never once spent $300 on one of his statewide campaigns. Now in the last two elections for governor, we've seen over $80 million spent in both of those elections. When we started the democracy campaign our first order of business was to use this new thing called the internet and and take all of the information about donations that was on all these paper reports and put it into an electronic format and publish it online and let people see it on the internet. We actually launched the first and only searchable online database of donations to politicians in Wisconsin. We, we had that up and running in 1996. I've seen the political culture change radically—a uh, 180-degree turn in Wisconsin. This is a state that used to be known from coast to coast as a beacon of clean and open and honest government, and we don't deserve that reputation today. We can't make that claim. Corruption and cronyism, and what amounts to legal bribery, has has seeped into our system, and and uh, you know, and so it's a it's a very different political world now and that's something that we have to come to terms with in Wisconsin and and i i just reached a point where i thought Citizen groups like the Democracy Campaign can't be the only one working on this. We also need people running for office who are helping to fashion a new politics because we not only need a new governor, we need a new politic. We need a political system that is responsive to the wishes and needs and interests of all of the people of Wisconsin, not just those at the very top.
0: Going a little bit off that, the idea of a new politics assumes that um, this, the cronyism that you refer to, isn't just a Republican or Democrat thing. It's both parties that sort of are at fault here. And in your book, I read an excerpt that's mentioned that Democrats don't have, or you said that, quote, Democrats don't have good answers to questions, uh, unquote, and some of these questions about, you know, college affordability, uh, rural access to internet having a livable wage health care things like this So do you feel like there's a there's a tension that you have with the Democratic Party running as sort of a, a little bit of an
2: outsider? Well, you know I'm I'm challenging the Democratic Party to be bolder and uh, And to much more aggressively address the very real problems that people are struggling with out there and you know Wisconsin used to be a beacon of clean and open and honest government. We can't make that claim anymore We used to be an industrial powerhouse And now if so far in the twenty first century, no state in America has seen its middle class shrink more than Wisconsin. We're we're dead last in the nation in new business startups. We've got levels of economic inequality not seen in this state since the great depression these problems didn't just develop in the last six or eight or ten years they've been decades in the making and over the course of that time sometimes the democrats have been in charge and sometimes the republicans have been in charge but there hasn't been a commitment to creating a true living wage Uh, the, the last democratic governor would not commit to a to a true living wage the last democratic nominee in the last election for governor would not commit to a true living wage and and so Whether whether it's a Republican or Democrat in office, your average working person out there who is having a hard time finding a job that pays a living wage and is having a hard time staying in the middle class and can't see how they can keep their head above water and keep food on the table and a roof over their head, they don't really care if it's a Democrat or Republican in office. They want an economy where if you work, you won't be poor. If you work, you'll be in the middle class. And to do that, we've got to we've got to commit ourselves to to a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage. We've got to commit ourselves to health care for all. We've got to commit ourselves to debt free affordable education for everyone. We've got to commit ourselves as a state to high speed internet everywhere. Half of rural Americans don't have access to high speed internet. How on earth do you fully participate in a 21st century economy or even fully participate in modern American life without that tool. Our our state should aim to be the first state in the nation fully powered by renewable energy. Wisconsin's not even making a half-hearted attempt to compete in that race. If we were just doing as well as our regional neighbors in producing green energy jobs, there would be over 30,000 more jobs in that sector in Wisconsin. But we haven't had made that commitment, and I don't really care if it's if you want to point fingers of blame at the Republicans or the Democrats, the people of Wisconsin feel like this state is becoming a shadow of its former self, and we've got the potential to do so much better. And so this isn't about party. This is about about imagination, and it's about vision, and it's about saying this is what Wisconsin has the potential to become and how we reach that potential. And And so I'm in this race to to challenge the political establishment, to be bolder. This is no time for timid, and it's certainly no time for same old, same old.
0: Full disclosure, I I did some work on the Bernie Sanders campaign, and, and I can't help but But listen to to some of your your rhetoric and be reminded of of Senator Sanders, but also reminded of the the fact that that he lost the primary. He wasn't successful in really building a coalition of voters. And ultimately, your policies um, are progressive, yet plan to to win the primary and to, to beat Governor Walker, the incumbent. Um, is is there something there in terms of like building this coalition in Wisconsin to to make sure your progressive policies actually get the chance to to be implemented? Start by saying
2: that that uh, Bernie Sanders uh, didn't fail; he succeeded greatly, and he now stands as the most respected and and liked national political figure in America, according to national polling. He he is. He, he's done an awful lot to change the conversation and the conversation does need to change it we we have to be willing to talk about an economy where if you work you won't be poor and that means a living wage and health care for all and debt-free education and and internet everywhere and, and you know we can't be ashamed to take those stands we, we can't be timid about any of this and so uh, you know the, the Bernie Sanders campaign I, I inspired millions, and, and I I can feel that same energy. I can feel that same hunger at the state level here in Wisconsin, and and uh, and so to me, I, I think we all have a civic duty to rescue democracy, and to we have a civic duty to shake up and transform a political system because I think people in their hearts know that something's gone haywire, that the system is not working for regular people. It's catering to just those at the very top, and that's got to change.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with your assessment. I feel like uh, there is a sense that people are fed up with the status quo and and want something else, so I hope you're correct in that. Um, If you were elected governor, you've obviously been talking a lot about uh, the influence of money in politics. What could you do as governor to limit that in Wisconsin?
2: It starts with leadership by example, and legally a a candidate for governor can take a $20,000 check from an individual and an $86,000 contribution from a political action committee. All of my experience over decades has taught me that those kind of donations come with strings attached. And so I'm, I'm running a campaign that we don't take any single donation over $200 and supporters can give more than once, but not more than a total of a thousand for the whole campaign. So this has got to be a people powered and, and very much crowd funded campaign. It's going to have to be a lot of people giving small amounts of money and it's going to have to be an awful lot of volunteer activity. We've tra- already traveled over 40,000 miles. Just since September 12th for this campaign, we're building volunteer networks in communities in every part of our state. And that that it's really inspiring to see that taking shape because that's what it's going to take to fashion the new politics that we need is a, a, a genuinely grassroots campaign that is authentically of by and for the people. So you start by leading by example and then as governor I would push for the kinds of reforms that would that would address the the way that our, our political culture has been poisoned. Even if I'm governor and there is a republican controlled legislature that doesn't want to cooperate, it's important to remember that Wisconsin is a strong governor state. States like Texas governors can't do much more than than issue symbolic proclamations there. In Wisconsin, we've got a very strong governor state and, and that gives me, anor- would give me enormous leverage. Even with a, with an uncooperative legislature, they would really have to sit down with me and hash out our differences. And so I, I would not hesitate to use the full powers of the governor to, to get our, our government working for regular people. So, I, you know, I, it, it starts with leadership by example, but then it, it continues with a willingness to, to use the, the full powers of the governor to put government back on the side of all of us and not just a, a wealthy and well-connected and privileged few.
1: Would this be a similar strategy for you to accomplish your goals listed, such as rural broadband, debt-free college, a living wage? I think most people would assume on face that those are good things. I think people are just concerned that how do we afford those things? So do you think the state can afford them,
2: and, and what ways would we get those done? Absolutely, we can afford those things. If we can afford, it, it started at $3 billion. Now the price tag is up to $4.5 billion that can be showered on a single foreign conglomerate to fund that, that company's global expansion. If we can afford to shower that on a company like Foxconn, we can make the kinds of investments in empowering our own population. Aside from that, just shifting that priority and instead of feeding the rich, and trying and trying to shower tax breaks and state subsidies on a, on a few huge corporations or one global conglomerate from Taiwan, taking that our resources and spending them on empowering five and a half million people in the state to do more for themselves and for each other. That's the way to create a good, a, a healthy society and a, and a sturdy economy. But even aside from that, one of the things I've said is that we should have a simple rule for government that if a program works, you keep it and you fund it. And if a program doesn't work, you get rid of it. By that standard, I can identify two programs that we should abolish, that we should end. One is the state's corporate welfare office, the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. Its mission is to promote new business startups. And yet Wisconsin has been dead last in the nation in new business startups for the the last three straight years. So it's failed in its mission. It's been a train wreck of an agency, can't keep tra- track of its money, it has no idea how many jobs, if any, it has helped create. So you get rid of that and you repurpose those hundreds of millions of dollars to investments in people. And then the other program I would target for elimination is, is taxpayer-subsidized private schooling, the voucher program. It's 27 years old. The promise is that it would boost student achievement. It hasn't voucher students don't do any better than their public school counterparts, and by some measures they actually do worse. The promise was is that it would drive school improvement and it's actually we siphoned money away from community schools, weakened them sometimes to the point of having to close small rural community schools so it's it's hurt school quality it hasn't improved school quality and it hasn't boosted student achievement, so you eliminate that program, and again you use the the funding for things like debt-free affordable education. And and then the other thing is that we currently have a tax system where if you total up all state and local taxes in Wisconsin, combine them all, the wealthiest one percent pays the lowest overall tax rate. And to me that's sinful. We should at least expect the wealthiest to, to pay their fair share. When you total up all state and local taxes, they should at least pay a comparable percentage of their incomes in total state and local taxes. And currently they pay the lowest overall tax rate. You change that you, you create a, a tax system where where everybody pays their fair share. We don't even need any new taxes. We just need to make sure everybody pays the ones we've already got. You, you combine that kind of tax reform with eliminating programs that don't work, like the corporate welfare office and taxpayer-subsidized private schooling. Last thing I would mention is we got to deal with mass incarceration and the underlying causes of mass incarceration because we've got a budget that spends more on prisons than it does on the entire university system, and and that's one of the reasons why I've come out in favor of full legalization of marijuana. For example, we shouldn't be locking people up who have committed no violent crime and have damaged no property. There, a second marijuana possession charge is a felony in Wisconsin. You go to prison for it, and you know that that's something that that is driving mass incarceration, and it it ends up producing a situation where we spend more on prisons than on our entire university system. We've got to, we've got to do an about-face on those kinds of budget priorities, and if we do, the, the resources are there for us to do things like high-speed internet everywhere and healthcare for all and completely debt-free education. We can do this.
0: Thank you so much, Mike. I know we're nearing the end of our time. I just am curious, do you have any uh, network uh, in Milwaukee? Currently, most of our listeners are here in Milwaukee, so we're wondering if somebody's listening and wants to get involved, likes your ideas, can they do so yet, or is that coming soon?
2: Yeah, you know, people can go to governorbluejeans.com and there's a button on the website called People Powered. And if people click there, they can sign up. and. And you know we've got a, a a long-time African-American activist Jackie Clark who's helping organize in Milwaukee and Kyle Pacabar is a is another one of the Milwaukee Jeff Prezan is a is one of the Milwaukee coordinators. We've got a whole team forming in Milwaukee, and people can tap into that and and be, can become part of that team, and they can just go to GovernorBlueJeans.com, click on People Powered. And there's a whole menu of things that people can do. It's, you know, we need people to make the small donations. But then we also, there there are so many things that people can do that that don't involve donating a small amount of money that that really is... it's just about giving of of their time and their energy and there's lots of different ways that people can do that and and yes people can tap right into into the Milwaukee network of volunteers that's already assembled
0: well thank you so much for your time thanks for uh, inviting me to do this i really enjoyed it Bruce, the city. Mike McCabe is the candidate that is most disruptive of the status quo of politics in our state. The truth is, as you'll hear over the next few weeks leading up into the primary, many of the candidates align on key issues. As I go back and forth trying to figure out who I want to support in November, I will try and look for those factors or characteristics that make the candidates unique from one another. And so for Mike, it's his passion. His passion for empowering the average voter and his belief that the government should not be responsive to the wealthiest Wisconsinites. These are the things that make him stand out as a candidate. And of course, we're not in the business of endorsing candidates, but I hope that you too could identify Mike's uh, passion and how that makes him a unique candidate.
1: The thing that stands out the most to me about Mike McCabe is his sincerity and his devotion to his principles. This dude is so devoted that he didn't even get married in a suit. Uh, And he's shaped his whole adult life around the belief that the government should be open and it should be honest And it should be a reflection of the people's will and he embodies the hope and optimism that the state can and should be a reflection of all citizens not only the wealthy few but i really want listeners to come away with facts that can motivate us all to work hard this election season to make sure the candidates are addressing issues that are important to us why don't we have rural broadband for all why can citizens and PACs give as much money as they do to candidates mike brought up a lot of these issues and he helped me understand how important the gubernatorial race is uh, because of these issues. And hopefully, he's inspired you as well.
0: Kyle, can you tell me how you feel about sound bites? Yeah,
1: Ben, I'll gladly tell you how I feel about sound bites. Sound bites, they're a lot of things, but they're not
0: solutions. Okay? Oh, okay. Yeah. And
1: just listening here is not enough. So, in true Bridge to City fashion, we need to leave you with some action steps.
0: Yep. And in preparation of voting, our action step, and the only one here, is to go to org to find out more information about the candidates on the Democratic side yeah
1: that's again wechoose.org and this is a campaign run by Wisconsin's Choice that is providing the people of Wisconsin with an excellent service at wechoose.org you can participate in what is essentially a primary before the primary and vote
0: for your top candidates the second round of voting just finished and mike mccabe was one of four winners in the voting along with kel DeRoy's, kathleen weinhout and malin mitchell and as you remember from the introduction we're going to talk to a few more of those winners in the future So please visit the website and familiarize yourself with the candidates and vote in the upcoming rounds. And share this with your friends and family, too.
1: Yes, and as always, thank you for listening and supporting Bridge the City. Uh, Not to brag, but we're kind of a big deal now Mm -hmm. uh, because we no longer have a Squarespace URL. And so you can visit us at just BridgetheCityPodcast.com or you can email us at our own personal emails That's Ben at com. That one's mine. Yes. And Kyle at com.
0: And always, let us know how you have helped bridge the city. Bridge the city.